Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Thursday, April 11th, never a dull moment in the world of sports. Seems like the NBA season was just about to end and transition into the playoffs. And and then we have Magic Johnson stepping down as the president of basketball operations. Mike, it's funny. The NBA is like the best soap opera of all of the sports, but they don't get the ratings, which is great. Like people love following the day to day of the NBA more than they'd even want to watch the games. I always joke about that, right? Which is people are more interested in who, what free agents are going to go where next summer than they are the actual games themselves. It's kind of hilarious. I think a lot of that just has to do with the fact that there are, you know, still a decent number of uh, boring teams out there. And, um, you know, people kind of follow the mega stars of the league. So, you know, getting, it's kind of a fair weather league more than anything I'm else. Little, I'm a little okay. worried in just the, the two sports in general that are starting to scare me a little bit right now are basketball and baseball. And just the way like in baseball, what we're seeing, man, and there were a couple of contracts extensions. The one today that everyone's talking about with Albies, like I would fire that agent right now, Mike. If, if that was you, you would be out the door with that contract. I mean, well, the crazy thing is, is, is that Ozzy's probably happy. Or else he, you know, he wouldn't have done not, it. No, you're right. He wouldn't have signed off on that. There's no way he felt pressured into that deal, right? No. So that's the deal that he wanted. Absolutely. Who, For whatever reason, he was directed to take that deal. But I saw a great, um, a great comparison earlier on that had said the – like comparing him the first 10 years of his career – to the first 10 years of Dan Ugla's career. And Dan Ugla was a Rule 5 pick who reached MLB as a 26-year-old in 2006. He reached free agency at age 32. He made $75 million in 10 years. Ozzie Albies reached the majors at age 20. He was an all-star at 21. And he's going to make $46 million over his first 10 years. And that's... And we're talking 10, 15 years ago where the money is supposed to be going up. Inflation and contracts and everything goes up. So the Braves with the Kuna... And with Albies, they have locked down two studs for I think nineteen years in the in the two contracts. Which great, great move, great by job the by the Braves, man. I mean, we're yeah. knocking the opposite sides, but you have to if, if that's what if that's what they it took to get him. That was a great job by the Atlanta Braves, and yeah, I'm more. I mean, yeah, you know, Alex, look, a big part of it is just a burden the hand kind of thing, right? Yeah. It's kind of like you can start earning your forty five million now. Or you could see what happens in a couple of years. There's still that element of uncertainty in terms of, you know, what if he stops producing? What if he gets hurt? What if he has a career-ending injury? What if it's just a nagging injury that, like, look at Chris Davis. Great example. Somebody who, if he wouldn't have signed his deal and waited two more years, just as an example, because he was still younger when he first signed it, right? Then he would be out of probably out of the league, right? So, I mean, there's... I could see both sides. You know what I mean? I don't think they would have done it if, let's just say, his big payday was less than 12 months away. But the, once you get into years, it's kind of a tough call. But back to your original point, you know, I kind of do want to give an opinion about that. I actually agree with you in terms of the NBA. There's some worrisome signs there, right? And soon enough, we're not going to have LeBron. And 
Harden and, and Curry. But there's always an, another set of guys that kind of emerges. So we'll have to see what happens with that. But I actually feel pretty pretty bullish on baseball. I well, actually I'm think they're doing a the, really good job in terms of um, they've got a lot of more young talent than I can ever I'm remember. Not, I completely agree. I'm not worried about it in that sense. I'm worried about what's happening from the, the free agent standpoint in that how many the, the baseball is going to strike soon because the players are not going to tolerate what's happening. I mean, Kimbrell and Keuchel are still out there. You're telling me nobody could use Kimbrel or Dallas Keuchel right now? How are those guys not signed? I yeah, mean, and I think there has to be a, a, a sense of, hey, ownership and management are going for kind of a reboot. Like we need, you know, things probably got out of whack for a little bit. And what we do is we're going to make it very rich for those who earn it, but we're no longer just going to give away stupid money. That I mean, might be, you know... When we went through the the our baseball preview, you know, okay. we're going through and we're talking about who we like in each division and everything. Almost half the league isn't even trying to win right now. I mean, you go through and like in the American League East, Baltimore and Toronto, they're not trying to win. In the American League Central, like Detroit, Chicago, and Kansas City, they don't really care if they they win or not. In the West, we'll talk when we talk to Saad, you saw for the next few weeks. I don't think Texas really cares a whole lot if they win or not right now. We know the Marlins don't care, and in in the West, the uh, the Giants and the Diamondbacks they don't really care right now. You know, we're we're talking about double digit teams, at least a third of the league that isn't interested in winning, and that's why there's so many of those free agents out there because they're sitting there thinking, you know what, we don't need to make our team average. Let's just be bad. We'll let our young guys get some reps. And in a year or two, they'll be ready to go. We'll have a, a few more extra picks. We'll have traded some of our assets away. We'll just, you know, we'll, we'll play that game and that tanking game because it, it worked with, you know, the Astros. It worked with the Cubs. We're seeing it start to work with some of these teams like the Padres who are playing well. And even Detroit and Chicago with like strong farm systems, they're not going to be too far away, some of these teams. And that's what's scary to me is I'm worried about, that that like middle tier, like the top tier of guys are always going to be okay, but those mi- and and then the the real value guys will always be okay because you'll all, you'll always have teams that are trying to fill their team, you know, moneyball style. But it's those middle groups of players that we we saw just are just still out there. You know, it's been a couple years in a row where they've been doing basically their own spring trainings because nobody signed. Yeah, I mean you. You kind of packed a lot there, so there's kind of a lot to oh, yeah. to, to respond to. In, in terms of the teams, yeah, you, you can't put them all in the same category though, because okay, this team is it doesn't. It's not evident that they want to win this year, but why, right? And I think last year the Padres' reason is going to be different than this year's Orioles' reason, right? Because the Padres last year knew that they were really, really close to being able to bring up four really, really good young players that could play every day, potentially be all-stars. And that's ranging from Tatis to Mejia behind the dish, or even like a Fran Mel Reyes who got called up, uh, you know, middle to late last year, guys like that, right? So they're like, okay, now with Hosmer, we just need to get one more free agent, then assess, are we a wildcard team? What moves do we have to make? Orioles, though, they're not in the same category at all, right? So you can't put all those teams in the exact same category in terms of strategy, plan, where they're at in the development, that type of thing. You could probably break it apart. And I think that's why it does still work because there's going to be some teams that are still close enough to be able to nab that last wild card spot that we're going to see teams that you didn't think would make a push, make a push come trade deadline. We wonder. Like, 
I, I wonder, and, and we'll see. We'll see if some of these teams that that like started the year with very like. I mean, some of the t- you can tell when you look at the, most of the teams' rosters. Like when there's four or five spots on a team that are AAA level players playing, um, you could tell that they're probably not going all in. And so that's what is a little. It's a little scary because we saw it in the NBA, we saw it in the MLB, and I don't. I, I I know it's different, and you always remember the recency more. I just I don't feel like it was like this 10, 20 years ago, right, Mike? I mean, it just wasn't like at this level where so many people were just okay with losing. I mean, even, yeah, in the, it, even in the NBA right now, the last month or two of the season, how many teams that just shut down players? Like, I mean, I went to a Laker game this year that my sister bought me tickets for, and uh, unfortunately, LeBron was hurt. There was no LeBron, no Kuzma, no Lonzo, and no Ingram. You know, like as a fan, it just never and that's used a to tough pill to swallow because you only have five on the court at the same time. Right? So I mean, that's and really, a, really tough. Like as a fan, it never used to be that way. The Lakers, I mean, and and it's funny because I've been looking at the Lakers' years now, the last few years after all the Magic stuff came out. But the Lakers played their their last like two games of the year. They had seven players that played on the court that were in a G League game this year for the the South Bay Lakers. That were playing, and they almost won all those games against like playoff teams, which is really funny. But it's like you can't even play fantasy basketball a full season anymore because your whole team is done. <laughs> it's it's like it's really weird the way. But you know what? No, let me let me say this. To me, I think it's more atrocious in football when you get to like weeks fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen, and you have teams that you know aren't going to be a playoff team. They're probably going to get rid of their head coach and their coaching staff. And you have now a lot of guys that are getting promoted from the practice squad or whatever, just to kind of give them an opportunity to get three uh, games under their belt, which is really big towards pension and free agency and that type of thing. And no farm system versus in baseball. You could at least say, you know what? We're really looking forward to when September comes as a Padre fan, let's say last year, because I really want to see what this kid can bring to the table or that kid could bring to the table. And I think what the owners did this year, which was smart with guys like Tatis and Peter Alonso, is that they didn't stash them away in the minors for the first three weeks. They called them up right away. And so I think that's going to be some good faith that's going to go a long way when it comes down to sitting down labor negotiations, they could say, hey, look, we're playing fair here. But let's face it, if you or I are running a team, I would want Kimbrel, I would want Keuchel. Yeah, but I wouldn't want them for ridiculous dollar amounts. No, and I think and that's kind of what they're saying is you can't hold us hostage either. The system you know? is broken. And, and I think in both, because there's no, there's no way of going around it better than the teams that are worst get to pick first and get to get more assets the next year to try to get better. So... It, and we've seen it in the NBA, and I and I never really experienced it a lot as a Laker fan because the Lakers were always good. Like I was never like looking in the lottery for lottery, watching lottery picks or tanking games and seeing where the Lakers going to like. I always, my whole life growing up, they were good. They were in their bad years. They were a seventh seed in the playoffs. You know, they made the playoffs and they would lose. And the Nick Van Exel, Eddie Jones, couple years then, but they were always good. And so now recently, I'm I'm looking and it's like. You know, people are like, yeah, the Lakers have lost more games than any team in the last six years. Well, four of those years, they were trying to. I mean, they were literally trying to. That was their goal, was to lose as many games as possible. They got number two picks. Like, that's that's what you're supposed to do. But if you're not supposed to just be, if you're 41 and 41, 
you're going to maybe make the playoffs, get swept, and then you're done, and you're the same team over and over again. You're never going to get better. So that's what's frustrating in that they've been talking about how to fix the NBA lottery, and they tweaked it a little bit in that the top three, there's like tiers now instead of just the worst team that gets the the the, the best odds. But it's still it's still too much of a so many of these teams trying to lose just because they know that's their only way of getting better. And it's it's just like there's no middle class of teams anymore, it feels like. There's no like young team that's like, yeah, I'm gonna make the playoffs this year, it'll be good for our team. We'll, you know, we'll get beat up, but we'll learn and it's just like that that group is gone now, you know? Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. You know, for me, like I said, I, I view baseball kind of in its own category because you kind of see the progression. You know, take the Phillies, for example. You know, they were at or near the bottom in 2016 and 2017. They were, you know, in the kind of like high 60s, low 70s win total wise. Last year, some of their pieces started coming together for a while. They looked like a playoff team, uh, but obviously faded, you know, down the stretch. But they saw enough young talent where they were like, you know what, let's make that move. Let's bring in that Bryce Harper. Or maybe it could have been or would have been somebody else. And then before you know it, you know, within, you know, a short window of time, they go from a cellar dweller to a power. And any sport, you could obviously do that. But in baseball, I think you can take a better snapshot on what you have as an organization and be able to make those calls. But, the, you know, the Royals are a great example, right? Let's not forget, they won the World Series just, yeah. uh, you know, 2014, not that long ago. And they kind of built, you know, a really, really good club. Unfortunately, it kind of got disassembled probably too quick for a yeah. team. You'd hope that if you're kind of a World Series caliber team, that you'd stay on top for three, four, five, six seasons. It wasn't the case for them. But it is the case for kind of a lot of teams, Right, the Dodgers have been good based on their young talent and a couple oh, yeah. free agents here and there for a long, long time now. You know, the Cardinals are always in that boat because they've got such a good minor league system. Yep. They're always able to bring guys up. The Braves look like a team that'll kind of last for for a long period of time. You know, the, the Red Sox probably have too many contracts to to. I mean, it's very worrisome. The Red Sox situation is to me long term, uh, but the Yankees have a, a pretty good nucleus of, sure. of young talent and. So, I mean, I could go on and on and on. Astros, you know, they'll, when, we, when it's all said and done, they'll probably have had a seven to ten year window yeah, it's, of it's, being a contender every year. It's, so, a weird, it's a weird time because what you, you make a good point is that there's – we definitely don't see the turnover like we see in football, you know. But what we're seeing is like some of these teams just really struggling, losing for a few years, but then you're right. Like they're hitting their window. And it's, it's, to me, it's just it's don't hate the player, hate the game, right? They're doing these teams are doing what they have to do. They're 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 interpreting the, the rules to their best way. Yeah, you know? and actually if you if you look at it, G, I think if we go down the list in the American League, I might be wrong, but I don't think there's been a there's a team that hasn't made the playoffs since twenty fourteen. I think even the Orioles were a playoff team like maybe four years, years ago. Yeah, no, with Machado they had a yeah. they had one they had one year where they, they had were one eight. year there, they're pretty good. So I think yeah. every single team except maybe the Mariners yeah, I believe have made have made the. I mean, if there's if there's a team close. that's not, there's not it's many. Maybe no, one or look, two. If you look through right now, there's not many because you can yeah. tell in each division, like boom, 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 boom. Yeah, you know. and even in the NL, like outside of the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Reds, you know, um, which that's a, always a tough division. But outside the Reds, every single one of those teams has been a not just a, a, a playoff team, but even like a World Series contender. Yeah. You know, like the Brewers, the Cubs did win the World Series. The Cardinals have won the World Series in the 2010s. You know. Well, okay, so let's let's talk. Uh, let's transition a little bit more into this season and um, our teams. 
struggling a little bit right now. The Dodgers had a great start. They just got swept um, by a very good Cardinals team. I'm, uh, as a Dodger fan, I'm not really too worried. I've seen a lot of similarities that have happened with the Dodgers and the Red Sox this year. It's actually funny, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post this to you. Like Buster only had said that when um, that he, he talked to some of the Dodgers about the Red Sox and what the Red Sox are doing, and and he said, the Dodgers said, yep, we did that last year, and it didn't work. And that's why the Dodgers started 15 and 24, is that they tried to just give kind of everybody the spring off because they figured, you know what, they threw so many extra innings last year. They were deep into the World Series. We want to have them fresh. But the problem is, is I don't think the Red Sox did it right this year or the Dodgers did it la- right last year. You have to have a combination because if you're – if you're just coming out there with nothing, you're really not ready. And I mean, like Walker Bueller, he is not ready right now. No. Because he did nothing in the spring. I mean, he is, and he was mad at himself today. He looks exactly like a lot of the Red Stock staff look like. They just look like they're not ready. No, not at all. And obviously, you know, uh, I think the Red Sox would be happy if they were even compared to the Dodgers right now. Um, you know, I'm sure there are some comparisons like you're talking about from last year to this year and how each team approached the start of the season. The good news for the Red Sox is their primary concern within their division, the New York Yankees, their chief rival, has not taken advantage. They only have two more wins. They only have two more wins than the Red Sox. So, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, um, you know, the only thing that the Red Sox can kind of hang their hat on uh, is kind of what what we talked about last week, which is the number of road games versus home games. They've had one... One home game well, so far okay, this year. Okay, hold your thought right there because I want to get into the Red Sox a little bit more after the break. So let's take a quick break. We'll talk a little bit more about the Red Sox struggle start to the season. They're three and nine, I think, right now, early on through the first twelve. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the draft, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show. So, Mike, it was... There was a game against the Diamondbacks, and I was watching the end of the game. It was Diamondbacks and the Red Sox, and it was funny because it it just seemed like such the opposite of last year. What would have happened? It was tied in the bottom of the ninth. The Angel, uh, the the Diamondbacks had a runner on second. They hit a single, and so you think the game's over. But Mookie Betts throws the guy out at home, and it and so I'm going, oh okay, maybe this is where things are going to start to turn for the Red Sox. That was probably a loss right there. Mookie comes up gunning, throws the guy out. The next guy up just gets a base knock and ends the game. It's just funny because yeah. that, that last year wouldn't have happened. No. Or at the end of the year when things are going well. Who knows? It's still so early on in the year. Yeah, yeah. Can you know what's kind of funny, play. though? Because that was, a, that was a tie ball game when that happened. Yeah. And then uh, Diamondbacks went on to win the game. The good news for the Red Sox, because that was a tie, so it doesn't qualify into what I'm about to say. They haven't blown a save yet this year without Kimbrell. So yeah, yeah. Uh, they haven't had a lot of save opportunities, though. But, uh, you know, yeah, what, what I was about to say before we went to break is that you know, the one thing that they can, you know, talk about internally to get themselves kind of motivated a little bit is, hey, we started off the year on a big time West Coast road trip, 11 road games on the West that's Coast. And let's face it, that's that's a pretty daunting that's task brutal, because dude. you're going you're going from from Florida Grapefruit League and then shooting all the way up to Seattle. So, I mean, that's a they didn't do any favors for the world champs. No, that's that was and by the way, you would think that the Red Sox would get now 11 in a row to even things up at home, but they don't. They actually, uh, you know, it's 11 on the road, six at home, and then two more road trips uh, following this, including one of them to Yankee Stadium. So they're going to have started the year from the first 22 games, only having played six home games. So the good news about that is they're a killer Fenway Park. It's going to even out. It's going to even out. Yeah, they're a great Fenway Park team. So, you know, if they're ever going to get it together, it's going to be in the month of May when, uh, when they start, you know, Late April, early May, when they have the long home stretch where they could kind of have some home cooking and relax a little bit. But I'll tell you what, based on what I've seen from the starting pitching, I really hope that the first two, three weeks of this season is their extended spring training and then they're back to normal. Because otherwise, the thing that concerns me the most is the contract that was just given out to Chris Sale. Can't imagine that he would have a, you know, a health issue Right they wouldn't know about Yeah, they wouldn't give that contract him, out. Yeah, Still a little bit concerning nonetheless. It is. It's the same the thing you feel like too, for Kershaw, you know. They gave yeah, him that the thing that worries me a little less, bit. but yeah. Sure. You know, they're, they seem to have – I guess what I'm trying to say is they're trying to force the issue with playing Dustin Pedroia. He's a hometown hero or, you know, a Red Sox hero. He's been a great player for the team. He's a couple World Series rings under his belt – uh, actually, I believe three now. Um, I don't know, man. I think we've definitely seen the best of him. And I think that sometimes when you try to force the issue and you already have a World Series championship roster, you know, it's it kind of like people on the bench have a little bit of resentment. They're scratching their head going, why are uh, we not playing yeah. as much as we were last year when we won? Exactly. You know? so it's, it's a, it's a like lot the, of that. 
Yeah, and I love the loyalty, and I appreciate it, but he just doesn't have it, man. I've seen him on big-time key at-bats. So I'm like, okay, this is the time that PD's going to make it happen. Nope. Right? And the field, he ain't what he used to be either. So, I don't know. Um, Red Sox have a lot of issues. I think they'll get it together, but I guess you remember how – I mean, I remember you used to point out how confident I was last year. You don't sound – your voice is – I don't I'll have tell you this. The tone is different. I don't yeah, have it. It's a lot and different. It, last year, know. I mean, they didn't have, like, many slumps, it but feels it didn't different. matter. Well, yeah, it, it feels just, different, you know what I mean? Because, like – it's funny because the Dodgers made the World Series back-to-back years, but the way it felt as a fan of the Dodgers last year versus two years ago, those are like two different seasons. Sure. I mean, the Dodgers didn't even make the playoffs until the final game of the year last year, and then they had to have a play-in game to win the division and not be the, the wild card team, and then they got to the World Series. So it's like there was a – like every season is so different. That's what's, that's what's funny is that I would have guaranteed last year that Dodgers wouldn't have made the World Series. Like, I just, in the middle of the season, it's just like this team isn't, they're not timely. They're losing like a team, you know? You yep. look at everyone's stats, and the stats all are good, but you scratch your head and you go, why does this team keep losing? Because it's just nobody steps up at the right time. But then two years ago was when the Dodgers were kind of on the same pace that the Red Sox were to, to maybe break the all-time wins record, you know? And, they, and then they slowed down a little bit towards the end of the year. But that year, I would have guaranteed you this was the year. This felt more like our year than any year, and unfortunately, they lost in Game Seven to a really good Astros team. But it's it like right now, I feel like I feel like the Do- I'm actually pretty pretty proud with the Dodgers and pretty impressed with what I've seen so far because they haven't got to start out of Kershaw. They've gotten some pretty bad outings out of Bueller. Ryu just had to leave a game hurt the other day. Joe Kelly has like told them. I've lost three games for you. He's blown the lead three times in games where he's come in. And they're actually, they had a tough start to the season. And what I like is when um, one of the, the issues that we talked about like last week when we did the preview with the Dodgers is, okay, if some of their starting pitching isn't good at the beginning or if they're not ready at the beginning, will they be deep enough? What's What I like now is when Kershaw comes back, if Bueller's obviously in the rotation now, now what that does is that bumps a, a Urias to the bullpen or a Maeda or both to the bullpen. Now your bullpen's much stronger. So it, it in turn really helps the Dodgers strengthening their bullpen by kicking maybe one or two of their um, lesser tier starters into the pen. So I'm pretty sure. I'm, and I'm pretty and Rich Hill's probably right around the corner He's as well. He started far. his bullpen. Uh, and the Ryu already, injury, so. it doesn't seem like it's nearly as bad as they initially thought because this is an injury that he missed over 90 games with previously a groin injury and we saw a lot of groins out here in la lebron ryu <laughs> and trout in the last week or so yeah some or, uh, uh trout and, and ryu and then lebron prior to that but uh I'm, I'm actually pretty pretty pleased with their start um uh, one of your live teams to the to the year the padres um they've they've had a good start so far which is kind of funny because machado's really been hasn't done much and they've been playing they've been playing pretty well and now after that four game sweep of the car of the dodgers the cardinals they look to be firing on all cylinders. I was just shaking my head watching that team. That's a very good baseball team, Mike. Yeah, very, very good baseball team. And uh, you know, another team that I thought would, would uh, do well. And look, it's early. And any of this stuff that we're talking about could go out the window by the time May 1st rolls around. But Colorado Rockies have had a very disappointing start to the year. And it's, it's kind of the manner. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but even like, you know, guys that are healthy, you know, like black men and guys like that haven't really done squat. Um the AL West, though, 
The There's Angels. Not, they don't have a team under 500. No, the Angels and are playing some Mariners, good ball. The Mariners, Astros, and Angels are all on six-game winning streaks. And the A's and have won three in a row. The A's have won three in a row. They're they're over 500. And the Mariners, they've won eight out of nine on the road. They beat plus the, crap out of the Red Sox. I oh, mean, yeah. that series, dude. And they are crushing the ball. I One of my better... Um, I, I picked him very, very like a lot higher than he should have was Domingo Santana this year in fantasy. I thought he would just get the the reps that he needed finally because he wasn't getting the opportunities anymore in Milwaukee after the breakout season a couple years ago. And man, he has just been excellent there. They are they have a great offense, and we'll see if they're they'll be able to hold hold strong with their pitching. And it's funny to see the Mariners fans because they just are like. This they've they've seen this before where the Mariners have great starts of the year or like maybe really good regular seasons but they just can't go on. But it's fun right now through 15 games they are 13 and two. That's one of the best starts in the history of baseball. Period. Yeah, that's a yeah. great start. A very great start, and they've set a, a home run mark as well in terms of starting off the season with a home run in each game. And uh, they're yeah, plus I mean, 42. They have a plus 42. Now here's here's the thing. So they're one of those teams though. You know, uh, that really nobody thought was no. going to be a good team going into this season. No. And they're one of those teams that probably had a couple of AAA player caliber guys on the roster, especially on the pitching side. Sure. But yet, somebody over there had some faith. Somebody over there was patient and saw the vision and preached, you know, st- you know, stick to the game plan. We're, we're, we're going to build this thing. We've got talent. And there, all it takes is the, a team to get off to a hot start like this to start believing. Well, no, it changes your whole season. Sure, You're right. It changes everything. Your everyone starts to feel. You know what? Maybe we are these. Maybe the Astro. These other teams aren't quite as good as we thought. And maybe we have a little more here. It, it's all it takes. That's really all it takes. And yeah. And for been- me, it's always a good sign when when you have a young team that's winning on the road. Yeah. So that's why I pointed out the eight out of nine on the road. So very very impressive start over there. And, um, you know, I, I, I think they'll fade, you know, my personal opinion is I think they'll probably be fourth in their division, but, um, man, I, I ain't on the Pacific Northwest. I'd love to see a team that is an underdog that nobody's projecting, you know, kind of take, take the sport by storm. So at least it's giving a thrill to the Pacific Northwest to start off this season. And, um, you know, didn't expect them to break records though along the way. That's for sure. Home run records, especially. Let's uh, make a little bit of a transition. We're waiting to hear. Um, we're, we're trying to get Keeneland Dan, our buddy, on to talk today about Mick Cronin, his brother, who's now going to be the new head coach of basketball at UCLA. We haven't uh, quite heard back from him yet, though. So maybe uh, if, he, if we don't get him on this week, we'll have to get him on next week so we can talk all about um, Mick. And that's a, that's a huge hire. And I know Dan is a little, um, a little conflicted because Cincinnati is there. That's their home. That's their dream school. That was the dream job for Mick. He got hired at, at Cincinnati. They've made the NCAA tournament nine consecutive years now. And he's had over 20, 22 wins, nine straight years at Cincinnati. But I think when you get the opportunity to come out to UCLA, uh, I think it's an opportunity you have to take. You got to wonder, you know, I thought that they were going to actually make a little bit of a run. In I the did journey. too. I liked them so a little bit. So you got to wonder, like, does an early exit play into this one way or another because sure, it's been a couple early exits now a lot of usually what you see is that it, that a team wins and goes a lot farther than they're supposed to like like you, you, you know your boy over in texas chaka right sure he, he wins nobody's expecting him you know nobody's even heard of the team right and then boom now he's going to texas 
So we've seen it on the winning side. What about on the losing side, right? Can you, you know, lose your way out of interest? Hey, you know, I'm kind of tired of this early exit stuff. I think to challenge myself, my career going to a historic institution, basketball-wise, like UCLA, it's a down conference. It's a time to seize it. This ain't like Arizona's dominating uh, you know, no. window anymore. So, no. you know, this is, you know, this is a time that if, if you bring a certain philosophy in and it works, you could dominate that conference because there's really, I mean, th- there was a time where neither of us thought that there was going to be a, uh, a team from the back 12, Except you know, the conference it, it, champ, it, that's it, it, just the, just the, just the, the conference champion, did. right? Yeah. That's it. I mean, so and, and here's the thing, chance. go ahead. Yeah. Mike. What, what I want to see though, is recruiting West coast players ah. is very different than the Midwest. Yep. So I'm I'm very curious to see how that turns out for him being able to recruit LA California kids in particular. I think it'll I, I it's definitely worth a shot because one of the problems that they had at Cincinnati was he's recruiting in that same area with Kansas, Kentucky, you know, some real blue blood powerhouse type teams. When you come out west now, like you said, it's a little down these kids on the West Coast, where are you going? You know, they're they're open. They're up, they're up for grabs right now. USC's getting some of them. I mean, USC has the number three recruiting class in the nation next year coming in. I, I, who knows? For some reason, the USC top recruits never seem to be that good. But I think with mixed style, what we saw, the two teams that were in the finals this year, they are blueprints of how Mick Cronin coaches his teams. Defense, tough, low scoring, because you know what? You can always play defense every game because that's effort and energy. Some games you're just not going to make shots. It's just a bad day. But you can always bring your defense and you can always bring the energy and the effort level. And so it's not going to be pretty. I'll tell you that. It's going to be Ben Howland basketball. It's going to be ugly. But if he's able to get some of the slightly better athletes recruited with that coaching style where he's always going to be a very good defensive team, this is going to be a team that's going to be really tough to beat. You know, they're going to be. They should have kept Ben Howland in the first place, but that's a whole different story. Oh, sure, sure. You know, uh, yeah, you know, I, I talked to a few friends that are diehard UCLA fans, and, uh, and they're it's a mixed sure it's mixed bag of feelings, Completely mixed. You know, because you have you have some guys that are just kind of like, hey, he was their tenth choice, man. You know, well, it's like the Lakers right now. You're you're living you're you're living in your UCLA. You're the Lakers. You're USC football. You're living on the past. You're living off of what you did well 5, 8, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And so as a Laker fan, I don't like looking in the mirror sometimes and, and, and having to deal with it. But it's true. It's that it's not quite as sexy for everyone as it used to be. But Mick is a very good coach. And I think some of the people who didn't see him enough, they'll like him because you watch him. And as a fan, I want to make sure all the my – Players, my coaches, everyone is working their butts off. And if they are working as hard as they can and they're putting that effort out, that's what I want to see. And, man, if you just had a camera on Mick when he's coaching, he's fun to watch. He is fiery. He's excited. He's yelling and screaming. But he cares and he wants to win. And uh, if he can get if he can get some players in out here, I think UCLA is going to be very tough and they're going to be right back up to that. I personally think that they're going to win. I think it's going to work. I think it's going to be a success. Not just saying that out of our friendship to uh, Dan, uh, but I genuinely think that it's a great time. Style of coaching is is going to work. 
Yeah. By the way, just a little bit off topic, you'd brought up the the Lakers and kind of your mindset about them, you know, living in the past and that type of thing. I've actually noticed something that's kind of interesting, which is the 49ers, the Lakers, the Yankees, all three had legendary owners, the DeBartolos, Steinbrenner, Dr. Buss. And then once their kids took over, it had a very different feel to the organization and how they ran things, obviously, or run things is very different than how their parent, their father ran things. And I saw it with the 49ers, especially. It was just never the same. They still haven't recovered from the Eddie DeBartolo days. The Yankees, I mean, since uh, George has passed away, Hal and them, I mean, they've done a pretty decent job, but they haven't won a World Series, yeah. right? And and in, in the Lakers situation, you know, do you have any thoughts just in terms of what you've heard about the job? I know that th- there was a point in time where it was contentious between Jeannie and her brother. Jeannie yeah, then no. became the, the head person in charge. But I'm, as like as a fan, I'm not really all that upset. Like I, I look at each of the moves individually that and, and all the way back from when right when Dr. Bus passed away to, you know, people don't like to talk about it, but they made that trade for Chris Paul. And that got taken away by David Stern. You know, that changes the whole landscape of the NBA for a while. I'm not saying the Lakers ever win a championship then, but we're not talking about the Lakers being a losing team for the last six years if Chris Paul's there. Because if Chris Chris Paul's there, they're at least average, and maybe LeBron comes a year or two early because he's friends with them. Maybe a Carmel or, you know, who knows? Maybe you get other stars because Chris Paul's there, so things change. I'm not – I'm – now I think – for the first time, I feel like, okay, Jeannie, now the pressure is on you because now you have to start making decisions yourself and you, or you have to go find the people who are so qualified to make all the decisions that you don't have to worry about it. And that, that wasn't the case here. They, they made an effort. They tried. Okay, we're going to go get Magic. We're going to go get Palenka. We're going to bring them in. Now, a lot of people didn't like Palenka. You know something like this. Being an agent, trying to go from being an agent to a general manager – I can't imagine that's easy because you're negotiating against all of these other agents forever, and then you're trying to be buddy buddy with them. But after. you know what? Though historically, it's worked out really, really well for the agents. Few of, no, typically, no, Bob make Myers, very good general managers. Sure, sure. I don't know about immediately. Right. That's what that's what worried me a little bit is because he went from being the shark for Kobe, being the shark for Harden, and now he's got to deal with these same people. I think. Being in the but has office, he made any mistakes that are glaring up until this point? From what I've heard is that he is just hated. That everybody dislikes Palinka. He's like the most disliked like executive in the entire NBA. Then nobody, that's probably the problem to begin with, yeah, right? Nobody it, which takes is, him serious. Nobody liked him at, when and, he entered into that exactly. seat. And they probably hate him even more now so they, they love, that he's going up against uh, all these other guys too. So And Ma- Magic wasn't ready for it. That's, that's really what it was. Magic was not ready to, to have people not answer his phone calls. You imagine what that's like for Magic Johnson yeah, trying yeah. to call the Pelicans and they're not answering his call. That's and he's going, tough. what the hell is going on here? I'm yeah, Magic freaking Johnson. Yeah, know? that's got to be tough. And, you know, it's not an easy situation because, you know, the plan was we're going to free up as much money as possible. We're going to develop some young talent. And then we're going to bring in a monster you know, free agent like LeBron. They got the biggest fish of them all. And it's going to work. But what happens when it doesn't work? What happens when 
Maybe you're under-impressed with some of or, the development of the young guys. Or what uh, if there's injuries? Like what if this? There's injuries? I mean, if, if LeBron doesn't get hurt, who knows if we're even talking about any of this? But I will say, I do think I love Magic Johnson. He's going to go down, him and Kobe, as the two greatest Lakers ever. Humanitarian, great for the community. This is, Magic was not good at this job. Plain and simple. No. He wasn't. We've talked in fact, about- I would say typically, you know, you, you'd mentioned, you know, agents going into the GM booth. I would say players, Magic, typically speaking, Bird, going into the Jordan, ownership or front office. They're yeah, it just doesn't turn out that well. And you know what? The better the player. The worse I know is. Bird did had a, um, a pretty good run as a head coach sure. for a little while. But usually, the better the player, the worse the head coach. They think they know everything, well, uh, and it just doesn't with, work out. They can't deal with players that aren't as talented as they were. I think yeah. is what happens is they expect – Go do this. And everybody just can't do that. You know, the best coaches are the ones that were the really hardworking, gritty guys because they are the ones that know what it takes, you know, yeah. and yeah, all yeah, that yeah, work. Exactly. And like Magic's like, I could just get on the court and I was just good. And and everybody else can't. So, yeah. yeah. And you got to think that Michael Jordan's really, really lucky that he's been in uh, tucked away in Charlotte all these years because nobody not gives a in hoot. New York. You know, but he should be getting if he was in crushed. Chicago? And oh he, my he was like with the with the Bulls, the team that was his legacy team. I mean, they would destroy him. It would destroy him. Let's take a quick break. We'll pick a little bit up on this, and then we got to get to our Game of Thrones predictions, Mikey, because it's on this week, the season premiere, the final season of Game of Thrones on Sunday. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel do you love sports talk can't get enough sports talk have we got a show for you it's about the nfl training camps super bowl previews a look at the new starting quarterbacks and weekly key injuries we'll take your calls and emails right on the air former philadelphia eagle james loving is your host and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, closing segment time. We're going to finish up talking to the Lakers, and we'll, we'll get into Game of Thrones in just a minute. The one thing that I'm pretty happy about though as a, as a fan is there were a lot of little moves that magic made before and after lebron that weren't good but people are forgetting he did still secure lebron i mean lebron got hurt this year hindsight's 2020 but last year everybody would have wanted lebron when he left any team would have said absolutely come to us please and i don't think lebron would have come to lakers if magic wasn't in charge i really don't he could have gone to the Clippers. He could have gone to any other team if he wanted to be in L.A., if he wanted to be on the West Coast. I think that he respected Magic as a entrepreneur, as a player, and said, you know what, I want to work with him. That didn't work out. That's fine. But what I'm glad is the Lakers have LeBron. They've got Ingram, Lonzo, Kuzma, Josh Hart, and a ton of cap space. I, that's not a bad starting point. Is the organization and some of the office in, in flux? Do we know who's going to be in charge? No, yes. But if you're telling me you've got LeBron, four pretty solid young pieces, and a bunch of cap space, I, I don't think there are five teams in the league that would, wouldn't want to trade places with you. Understood. And I uh, agree with you to a large extent. I think yours is tainted with a little bit of optimism, whereas for me, I'm kind of objective and I'm looking at it. I'm like, you know what? They're not in a terrible spot because of the amount of money that um, that they have to be able to to fire away with. But right now, aside from that, um, I think LeBron is kind of, you know, obviously he's at the tail end. But, you know, we've seen it with Brady. We've seen it with others where you think they're they're at the tail end and they keep producing all star level. So until he finally fades you know, uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but, you know, I think that there's a lot of moves that have to be made if they're going to sure. be champions. Yeah, and, right? and they have to. Uh, they could be a playoff team next year, though. There's no I doubt just, about I'm, that. I was worried that Magic, um, I, I just was worried that Magic would have done something that would have been maybe, like, incorrect. I didn't want to package. There's no disasters. No, there was nothing that we can't get out of, you know, and, and yeah. I didn't want to package a couple of the kids for Bradley Beal just to get some guy back, you know, sure. I, and you know what? The, the only problem that the Lakers had was that when LeBron come, LeBron comes, it, it speeds the process up. If you were just going to say, Hey, you know, we've got LeBron for a few years. Let's let these kids develop with LeBron. Uh, unfortunately, that's you. That can't happen. Really. You got to go try to win right now with LeBron as he only has a few years left, but I I'm with you. I would, I would bet on it being more likely that LeBron comes back and has like an MVP year next year than that he has another year where he gets hurt. I think no, speaking of, he'll oh, take it. I think he'll take it personally, like you said, like the great ones do. And you know what? I had a bad year. I'm gonna come and be and be full swing next year. And and I and I think again, like they would have been this year, they'll be a playoff team. We'll see what happens with the Warriors, but they're not a they're not a championship team yet. They're still a lot of pieces away from that, but they're they're definitely an above-average basketball team that has plenty to look forward to with their pieces. Speaking of championship teams, give me a quick one-liner. Who do you see in the finals? 
I'm going to really look into it tonight. If Joel Embiid is banged up as I think he is, then then that's going to change the way I, I I like Philly. I thought Embiid would be would a healthy Embiid could carry them, and I think Philly is a very good team. If Embiid's not there, I'm going to pick Milwaukee, and uh, I just what we talked about all throughout the year. The West is good, but again, do you are you going to go back to Houston again? And if not, who, you're going to go to Portland and think they have a chance to beat the Warriors? I just I can't see them getting beaten four times out of seven. I just so can't. Milwaukee and uh, Philly and, and Golden Chuck, State or, if, if, or Milwaukee and Golden yeah, State. Yeah, Philly's the team I like, and I, I may wa- like I'll probably pick them and I'll watch a game or two with Embiid. And if he seems healthy, I'll stick with him. And if he's not, then I'll probably change. But I, I like Philly, I really do, and I think I think they could give Golden State a good run for their money because I feel like in that. In any series, I feel like Joel Embiid could be the best player on the court and the most dominant player every night. And as long as he's healthy, that's the key. Because if he's if he's banged up at all, he needs to be a hundred percent or ninety five percent for them to go far. Any, any thoughts to, on you? Yeah, I'm going to stick to my my uh, preseason Boston prediction. Boston which in, is, uh, yeah, I think Boston has a, a very favorable favorable first round matchup against the Pacers. Yeah. Um, I think the Pacers uh, obviously lost their firepower. Um, with Oladipo and they, yeah, it was amazing. I, I they were so. able to and, hang around. They're a well-coached team. Yeah, yeah. They're just they're not as talented. Yeah, I think they lost their firepower, and and I think that Stevens is a great playoff type of uh, head coach. So I think uh, I'm going to stick to that prediction, and we'll see what happens. Before we get to Game of Thrones, though, I do want to offer out some congratulations for our March Madness finalists. There were two guys that were really really close, neck and neck, thirteen ninety points to 1370 points and a uh, uh, hard luck third place went to uh joe mcdowell he goes by k's hope i believe on twitter um but the uh winners well the second place the runner-up was marcus getkin he's been on our contest before he's done well uh pretty cool dude happy for him uh, reach out to us and we'll make the you know arrangements for the prizes and all that kind of stuff did you verify gino if if uh, Amino was Marty, I think it's Marty. So if, if I, well, I'll hear back for him. But if not, if you're the winner, Emino, let us let yeah. us know. But I yeah, think Emino, Emino, M N O, it's E M E N O. Please reach out to Gino or myself, and uh, we'll get that all set up. Be patient with us; may take us a little bit of time, but it will get to you eventually. Let's yeah, get to we'll Game of Thrones. You, yeah, we'll bring him on for uh, to host a segment too. Yes, exactly. So, Mikey, this weekend's coming up. Let's just say, who. G- give me like one or two things. Like, what are you predicting to happen? Something you want to happen, or something you think will happen? Give me, give me some of your like your fan, your inside fanboy for Game of Thrones. What do you want to see? I mean, well, how can you not want to see you know Jon Snow and the Starks finish up on top? Right. Right now, obviously, Jon Snow uh, technically is not a Stark, but he's a Stark, right? He was raised yeah, with the Starks. Everything. So, how can you not want to see them? You know ruling Westeros, right? Um, so that's what I want to see happen. I, I, you know, I hope Bran lives. I hope Sansa lives. I have a feeling that um, Bran is going to play a really, really large part in how it all transpires. How exactly? I don't know, because he could kind of see, he could see the past and he could fly around all over the place uh, as a raven and, and see what's happening happening in real time. So does that mean that he's going to be able to hold off any surprise attacks for them? Because he doesn't really have any superpowers beyond that, right? So well, and there's some, there's a lot of like rumor and stuff that Bran is the Night King. 
Yeah, and yeah, they I've showed some photos where there's some visual similarities, yeah, but I so, think that's kind of coincidental. But yeah, but but I, who knows? You know, there's is how can he be the Night King and take over that role of being the tree or whatever the hell that is? You know, the, the roots three, and all. the three eyed raven. You know, uh, with with me, the one thing, and I mentioned it when we were talking about the battles. I just I can't wait for Clegane Bowl. I just want to see the Hound just cut off his brother's head. That's what I want to see. I yeah. want to see him just behead the mountain. I cannot wait for that brawl. I want to see those two going at it. Any And I mentioned, too, I really want to see some more Gendry-Arya interactions. I love those two together. They're great. Um, although I'm a little nervous about Arya's fate. I don't know if Arya's going to make it. Is she going to walk right into the fire? I think that the, the many faces is what scares me. And I saw you interacting with someone on Twitter about this a while ago. Is I could see Arya pretending to be someone else and then getting killed by one of her own members of the family, like another Stark or someone on her side, you know, as she's pretending to be a, maybe a Cersei or trying to be someone else. So I, I'm a little worried about Arya. By the way, did you hear uh, one of the, the rumors that's out there or conspiracy theories that um, Littlefingers didn't actually die? Oh, okay. Did Peter Baelish didn't die. Okay. Something with a, with, a, with a many faces type thing as well and blah, 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 blah. So I don't okay, know. Couple, I was couple pregnancies. Is seriously yeah, And you know why I was asking about that? It's because when I look at the odds, and we're looking at the uh, Bovada odds uh, for you know who lives, who dies, who rules, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, they still have odds up for Peter Baelish. Yeah, it's true. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But um, in terms of Arya, though, yeah, I think um, she's kind of a little, little young, feisty, inexperienced. And yeah, she could kind of uh, run herself uh, uh, off the bases, if you will. So we'll, we'll see about that. A couple we'll, yes, no's, pregnancies. Cersei, Danny, are they pregnant? Boy, that's a tough one. I mean, would Cersei lie about it to keep Jamie close? Yes, she would. Um, have they got it on that much? I guess one time is just enough, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I think so far I do think that Daenerys is. Yeah, me too. I, do I think too. That Daenerys is. Okay, and so who right now? We only have about a minute left. Who do you think is going to be standing at the top at the end of the season? Who will be ruling Westeros at the end of season eight? I think that Samuel Tarly is going to be counseling Sansa Stark. Okay, I like that one. I've been hearing, I've been seeing a little, a lot of Sansa coming. I'm going, my dark horse is Tyrion. Okay. I, I think it would be amazing. He he seems like he has to be, and then obviously John is, is the chalk that I would, I would lean toward. So what's great, Mike, when we talk next about Game of Thrones, no more speculation. We're going to be recapping each of the shows. Exactly. So just for everybody out there. Uh, Tyrion is 10 to 1. Sansa is 5 to 1. Enjoy Game of Thrones this weekend. We'll recap it next week. Thanks for listening. Have a tremendous sports weekend and a Game of Thrones Sunday. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.